This is the Sensitive Matters Podcast, a podcast bringing empaths, perceptive people, creatives, unique projects, and sensitive matters into the spotlight. Join us for meaningful conversations that inspire and have the power to gently create awareness around sensitive and important matters such as mental health, conscious consumerism, sexuality, spirituality, ethical business, and much more. I am Christina Zipperlin, founder of the ethical jewelry brand Ananda Soul. I'm a highly sensitive human who values community, creative and spiritual exploration, and ways to make a positive impact. I'm also a psychology student and mental health and LGBTQIA advocate. We're tuning in from the magical island of Bali, where I've lived for over 12 years and is the home of my jewelry company that strengthens and gives back to the local community. Thank you for joining us for these conversations as we, together, explore sensitive matters. And now, enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. This podcast is brought to you and made possible by Ananda Soul Jewelry. I created Ananda Soul in Bali over 12 years ago to offer heartfelt, intentional jewelry that works with the community I grew to know and love on the island that has become my home. Ananda brings creativity, respect for Balinese ritual, and a wish to give back to the local community to everything we do. To learn more about our story, ethics, and to receive $15 of your first order when you sign up for a newsletter, head over to anandasoul.com. Bodies come in many shapes, sizes, ages, and stages of life. As humans, we are often exposed to standardized perceptions of what a beautiful, strong, and healthy body and their features should look and feel like. Whether it is our own self-talk or the judgment of others, we easily find ourselves caught up in narratives that are not serving our sense of well-being and self-worth. This is why we created a precious little project that emphasizes individual stories around the human body and our everyday life with it. Welcome to a very special episode of the Sensitive Matters podcast. Her Stories, Life in a Female Body, is a series of episodes in which we have interviewed an incredible mix of inspiring women who stand for their own definition of beauty. Our first interview is with Emily Kuzer, a deeply inspiring yoga and embodiment teacher who currently lives in Bali. Emily is, at the time of the interview, eight months pregnant and on her very own journey around beauty and how it feels to be in this human body. So we're going to journey together through the explorations of what it's like to live in these human bodies that in your case happens to be a female body and yeah some conversations around what that feels like what that might have felt like in the past so to start with 
What does it feel like in your body right now, right this moment? What's alive? What does it feel like mm -hmm. in my body? <laughs> What's alive is a, a moving, dancing, swimming, swirling little being inside my belly. Definitely moving around right now so I can feel that. And what it feels like to be in my body. Well, I feel... I feel comfortable and relaxed. I think part of it is knowing that you're here and we're, we're here together. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I'd love to dive into the, the idea or the word of, of beauty and what that means. And actually, before we go anywhere else, like when you hear the word beautiful, what, are, what comes up? I see, I see a field rich with flowers blossoming open of all different colors and they're huge you know these huge blooming um, earth beings um beauty you can see gold and sunlight and green fields to see nature abundant mm -hmm. yeah and it gives me a sense of joy and celebration but in a a, a soft way so yeah. joy celebration that was going to be my next question of Yeah, what's the felt sense of those images of beauty? Well, I can feel it percolating in my skin. It feels like I become part of the breeze. If I, if I, and it was really nice to, to just have a moment. Beauty, you know, what comes to mind. And I kind of feel like I'm there walking and seeing and smelling the, the flowers and feeling the sunlight and the earth under my feet. Yeah. Kind of the felt sense of beauty. And in this moment, I feel, you know, even with the ebbs and flows that come with pregnancy, <laughs> I, today I feel quite beautiful, you know, mm. like comfortable in my body and relaxed and um, accepting of the, of the moment. Mm -hmm. You're answering my, my questions. <laughs> I, I can read your mind. <laughs> And I love, you know, that we came from like vibrant flowers and sunshine to how that feels and how you feel beautiful. So it's mm -hmm. in a way like to what I hear, what I feel is life force is, is that energy. Um, and if we, I'd love to journey back a little bit because I'm curious around that understanding of am I beautiful? Has that always been in that kind of feeling essence of like life force, comparing it to beautiful, vibrant flowers in a field? Or have there been times in your life where there might have been a different understanding of what that means? Yeah, certainly. I think though with beauty, I've had a, I would say a a pretty healthy relationship with body image and with naturalness i'd say i never as as an adult I never really covered up too much. i didn't wear makeup so much hair product you call me a pseudo hippie for you know didn't cut my hair for many years until some years back and i felt comfortable in my skin not that i had to i didn't feel like i had to change anything about my appearance and gaining a little weight, losing a little weight didn't, you know, affect me so much. Mm -hmm. But I think that came with a very powerful healing journey that I went on as a younger woman. Um, 
uh, where yoga and embodiment practices helped me to see how beautiful I am as a human and to respect the natural currents of, of the human experience and my biology, um, including my cycles. So all of that got me so much more um, in touch with what I think the essence of beauty is. And I feel like anyone who feels uh, the essence of beauty from the inside, it does shine outwardly. And I look at pictures from when I was younger, meaning like in my teens, when I would say I was covering up my natural beauty, which is so sad to look back on, to see how much I was masking. My hormones were masked as well with birth control, which was masking my sense of smell, my attraction to part, you know, attraction to partners, uh, these things we know now, I definitely didn't know then. I was doing so much to mask the essence of beauty and to fit in and to do what I thought my peers would think was beautiful rather than what I thought was beautiful. Um, yeah, and probably if I probably was more concerned with my weight gain and weight loss, but never was a huge deal for me. But um, uh, yeah, the beauty standards of magazines, film, movies, my peers at school had a huge, had a huge influence over me until I snapped out of it. And I was like, this is a freaking spell. This is stupid. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so I, I think I had a, a quite probably a quite dramatic shift out of that paradigm. And when that spell um, was lifted, everything changed. I can't say it was one thing that, that busted the spell, but everything changed at that point. And I, I really started to wake up to, mm -hmm. oh my God, God, it's so, what a, what a shame how much we, um, how much we try to mask what we were born into this planet with, the, the natural gifts and beauty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you mentioned healing journey around it and then also the, the snapping out of the spell. And you also said there's not one thing that happened and it doesn't happen for everyone. One is like, I'm curious how old you were because it sounds mm -hmm. like you were pretty young. Um, so I, I am curious, of like, what were the... What was the environment that, and the events or the opportunities or whatever, whatever the, the mix of it all was to be able to step out of that, like to one, have certain understandings and two, it sounds like suddenly not care as much about what other people think, which can be very, very strong. Like that is, I'm curious of how, how did you come out of that? It's a very good question. It does feel like there's so many things and it was also so long ago. That that said, it's a continuing journey as anybody knows. It's not like, boom, then I didn't give a shit what people thought, like that would be a lie. But um, I think, what was the environment like? I mean, if I think about home, there was there was a lot of chaos going on in my living environment as a child. So that was a factor. My mom and my dad, my biological dad, however, were very much natural, you know, 
she's an artist, he's a writer. Like they lived a natural kind of lifestyle. I wasn't around uh, so much trying to make yourself more beautiful or more this or more that at home. Um, but at that time in society in the United States, we had a major, like, it's the era of Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, pop music, push-up bras, looking overtly like sexual for, not for oneself, but for, you know, to attract attention, which maybe that's okay. But looking back, I see how twisted it was to get caught up in what, uh, I mean, we see what's happened to some of these child teen celebrities from that time, especially women, um, they went through hell to escape what the industry put on them. And that industry affected my generation profoundly, as did medical institutes profoundly. And so, I mean, being in it and surrounded by it, it's very hard to see outside of it. <laughs> Even if you have shining examples at home if it's in your peer group to dress a certain way to speak a certain way to treat each other a certain way and to talk about your body that's a big one to speak about your body and others bodies in a certain way it's you get ousted called it out for not behaving according to those unspoken spoken rules so it's also a great, I mean, in a way, it's I could call it a blessing to have gone through that. Such a thick cultural experience where so focused on externals and so focused on the media. Mm -hmm. um, and what helped me to snap out of it? I think I was suffering so much at a certain point. I was using drugs and alcohol to cope with things at home. And I think to cope with so much externalizing in culture. So the suffering led to such a feeling of pain where it's like anything would be better than this. And thank God the better thing was to, you know, turn things over to moving my body, learning about my breath, stripping things back. Um, asking big questions to myself, inquiring from a, in my late teens when that pain was really strong and fierce and I didn't think I could go on anymore. It turned towards, like I did the typical thing. I was young. I jumped in my broken Nissan Sentra, moved to, you know, drove across states to, to move to LA and like made it happen. And exposed myself to new environments, new people, new ideas, a fresh way of seeing the world and space from what I felt was really unhealthy for me at the time. And I'm really proud of myself for that. So proud of my, my younger self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that really helped me to start understanding the essence of beauty more and, and uh, reframe it, get more aligned with what and it felt better and better. I just remember it felt better and better and better. I started to feel better and better and better and more empowered. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. And not too long after I ended up in Bali, you know, yeah. in my, my early 20s. So, yeah. which was a huge blessing.
There's one thing you touched on, and I want to mm. bring that back a little bit because you mentioned birth control and covering up or numbing your hormones mm -hmm. as well. And you almost equated that with that sense of beauty or aliveness and that understanding. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Sure. I mean, the fact that this only occurred to me maybe four or five years ago, that birth control would have played such a significant role in what was happening in my early, I was probably 15 when I went on birth control, 15 or 16. Later, my mother told me that she had, she had gone on birth control for 24 hours and it made her so physically and mentally unwell in those 24 hours that she had to stop. I mean, her symptoms were everything from shakes to obsessive thoughts, intrusive thoughts to, um, you know, like the full gamut. And she immediately got off them. And she was older than me when she got on them. And I don't know why she got on them, but she did for 24 hours. Uh, for me, I had gone through, I had gone through something and I went on birth control and the fact that I was 15, 16, when my biology was working itself out, I was developing. Um, and then there I am in the crux of I figuring out my own identity as my hormones do their magic. I, I interfered with the magic that nature intended. Um, it was interfered with. And with that came, and knowing my mother's story, with that came what I would consider some huge, uh, like emotional swings, behavioral swings. I would say my mom at that time would say that that's when she, I went from someone she knew to someone she couldn't recognize. And I remember clearly from that point, just starting to make decisions that didn't feel it's like a blur at this point. I, I feel it, it's a so, it, it so starts at that point. And I didn't recognize it until so much later in my life. And when I recognized it, and I was on birth control for eight years or something like that, maybe nine years, uh, I grieved. I grieved hard. I still have some grief over that of what I, what I was masking of the, intensity of what I went through, of some of the choices I made, doing my best not to stay in some victim role over it. I mean, gosh, we all have, uh, so many of us in this generation have uh, a story around this, but yeah, there's definitely some grief around that, which has empowered me. And the flip side of that is it's empowered me to talk about it, to step up, to do something about it. The big aha alone is, you know, to have that kind of a revelation is a super powerful wake up. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the things that has blown my mind are the, the studies that are out there, but they're quite suppressed. One of them being our you know, most primal sense is our sense of smell and how that's masked when it comes to taking a birth control pill mm -hmm. and you know, there I am choosing partners while my behavior is erratic and my thoughts are erratic. And I, 
you know, I wonder, had I not been on birth control, considering my mother's severe sensitivity, how would my youth have felt? Mm-hmm. How much better would I have been able to handle situations that were coming my way? Mm-hmm. Um, would I have been able to trust my body more at that time? Mm-hmm. And um, I'd say it was kind of like divine intervention, whatever came in and was like, hey, something's not right. You need to clear up your body, mind and spirit. I just got goosebumps. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like such a blessing because you, like, you're calling it divine intervention. Mm-hmm. You're calling it like a, you know, like a, a waking up to something with, which sometimes when we come out of suffering almost has more potency, right? right. Because there's the, there's the working through that and the, almost the anger and the grief and all of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not questioning the, the course of our generation. I have my own personal story around yeah. it and, and the same questions and the same like waking up to things, very similar. And so this question isn't coming from what if. And if you could go up to this 15, 16 year old right now, what would you like for her to know? Mm, that's a great question. I think I would, what, I, what first came to me is I would give her such a big hug because she felt lost and confused and in pain and wanting out and away of all the situations. She's like counting the time until she can make her exit, you know. I would just give her a big hug and I would really try to tell her what her, a few things about how beautiful her future would be regardless of what was going on, but that she could make empowered decisions right here and right now. And I would try my best to help her make empowered decisions from what she knew without kind of foretelling the future because that messes things <laughs> up, right? But um, empowered choices. I think if I look back over my whole life, had I, as a, and I'll speak as a woman, because it, it really, it does come down. To me, it comes down to that, to have the truth about my biology, how it functions, what it, what it means to be optimally well, If I had had, if I had had access to honest, real, loving guidance to inform my choices, things would have been so different. And if anything, that's what I want to give my younger, if I could give my younger self, which I know in meditations we can, Mm -hmm. Um, but to her and to other women, young women any age informed choice 100 percent responsibility and informed choice that gave me chills Mm -hmm. um just because you know as you said around body image and maybe weight or makeup all of those things you were blessed or called in a pretty solid understanding and it sounds like they weren't too too deep of cracks or traumatic experiences in your life around that and you know if I think of my own story that was a big piece for me like depriving the body of nourishment and those Mm -hmm. kinds of things but when it comes down to it that whatever is messed up around beauty standards body image stuff that that feels destructive that feels disempowering 
has that tempering with biology. Like it's like mm -hmm. we temper with how nature just wants to be, right? The shape that the bodies want to have, the how it wants to be. So yeah, there's so much there. There's so much there. There's so much there. Yeah. And I can feel as I as I speak and talk about there's that part where it's like, oh, there's so there's so many people out there that have, you know, really deep wishes to change something mm -hmm. about themselves, you know, and it, it's and I can put myself close to that. It, get, it, I have compassion for that. And it really just comes down to informed choice. We can do whatever we want. Mm -hmm. It's our choice to treat our body-mind however we treat our body-mind. Mm -hmm. But is it informed? Yeah. And Informed and deliberate because what I'm, what I'm feeling as well is like there's the, the tempering in like a suppressive way. And then there are, because you mentioned yoga, breathing, being deliberate around reflections, you know, adorning in certain ways. Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways that you, and temper is not the word here, but where, that you play with life force intentionally that cultivate more of that type of beauty that we talk, talked about in the beginning, like the vibrant, the alive, the flow of life force. What, what do I do to mm. bring more of that in? Mm. Um, well, ooh, I can. Part of me feels, I feel, I felt a little bit like, what's the right word? Scared, maybe, to answer that question because um, I went through an experience that left me very confused about that and how to find joy again, how to find beauty in myself and in my life again. And I think the way the beauty started to come in a new way into my life and maybe in a deeper way, uh, slowing down. I used to talk about slowing down all the time and then, and then there was a, like a forced slowing down and the two things are very different, talking about it and actually having it in some ways imposed. Um, slowing down helped me to see the beauty in the people in my life helped me to see the beauty in what is rather than what could be helped me to see the beauty in grief in a way being open to receiving more support help being seen in transparency also created more beauty in ways i wouldn't have ever anticipated I'd imagine me saying that a lot of people will relate to that. It seems like the last thing you want to do sometimes is let someone in. <laughs> it's the most unsafe thing, even if, even if you don't know it feels unsafe. And then to let someone in and to be seen in, in the rawness of whatever's going on, you know, drop the armor of perfection and I got this and I can hold everybody, including my family and my friends. And, uh, I would say that that's cracked me open to a, a, a very deep new, uh, much more of an internal understanding of, of beauty. Mm -hmm.
Mm -hmm. So slowing down and letting people see me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Um, to slowly come to the end, but I'd love mm -hmm. to speak to the fact that you're going to be a mama. Soon mm -hmm. you are a mama already. And I'm curious with this, these changes in your body that have been happening, mm -hmm. what has that been like? I know that's a broad question. <laughs> it's a very broad question. And, um, you know, there's this thing where, like, we see in the movies, like, the woman runs to the bathroom and throws up once. It's like, oh, everybody knows she's pregnant and then she's glowing and then, oh, her water breaks. Oh, my God, it's such a lie. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about what it's actually like? I think pregnancy seems to be confronting. <laughs> it's not what I thought or could have ever thought it is. Um, and in some ways it is everything I thought. Though the changes in the body are uncomfortable. It's, you know, it doesn't need to be said, but every woman experiences it in a different way. And yet I think if we all got real, we could agree it's not 100% comfortable. It's not 100% conducive to self-esteem <laughs> or self-confidence. Uh, I think you have to be like um, some ascended master to reach that with pregnancy. So the changes in the body from the very beginning, it's like you find out you're pregnant. You might have anticipated it, planned for it or not. Either way, the flood of hormones kicks in, the body starts to change, maybe the sickness that can hit at any time of day or all day, and the things that happen in the psyche of a woman, which is the shadow work of pregnancy that definitely doesn't get enough light in culture, which I'm feeling more and more um, empowered to, to sh share on that and speak on that. But this that shadow work that definitely seems to be um, stirred in the first trimester is massive and very confusing and all of the discomfort of everything starting to change but nobody can really see the pregnancy yet but you and your own body like surely everybody must notice and be able to see this because that's all I can think about and it's all consuming and the sensations and the experiences are all consuming. And then there seems to be a collective shift in pregnancy where there's a change from that shadow work to a bit of a pause, kind of like in the strong sensations in labor called contraction sometimes. It's contraction and then there's a space in between where if left to be what it is can be a very, very, um, liberating, enlightening, enjoyable experience of, of like, oh God, I got through that alive. I got through that alive. Now I have a, I have more space. I feel like myself, but myself in a different way. And then the body's changing, but maybe it doesn't feel as intense, the changes as maybe in the first trimester. Um, and now I'm in the third trimester of my pregnancy. And yes, I can say there's been emotional uh, emotional, um, 
what's the right word? Give me a word for this. Emotional lessons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Initiations. Um, throughout, I'd say getting into the third trimester where it's very noticeable and pregnant, getting comfortable showing my body. That was also a thing for me. I was not comfortable exposing my belly, showing my body. I had a lot of people that wanted me to like, let's see, let's put on tight clothes. Come on. And it wasn't comfortable for me. It's not what I wanted to do. I was feeling a lot of emotions and a lot of insecurities, not just about my physical body, but the full acceptance of life is changing <laughs> to then in a way accepting you know more and more just accepting the reality of like i'm becoming a mother <laughs> <laughs> i am a mother <laughs> yep. and okay so yeah i i cried quite a few times trying clothes on it really bothered me how big my legs were getting my big, my butt was getting huge, my arms getting big, you know, like uncomfortable. I cried, I hated that I couldn't, my boobs fall out of my swimsuits, I hate it so much. And then there was a turning point of deep acceptance of all of it and maybe even feeling a bit more comfortable in general getting, cause it's a long time being pregnant and then accepting more and more like this is one, it's, it becomes very obvious that it's temporary because it changes so quickly. And to realizing maybe it's the mama bear energy. It, it just settles in and it's like, fuck it. Embrace it. Let your body shape shift and grow. I know it's beautiful, the changes. To take it breath by breath by breath by breath. And to keep stepping into the mystery and to remind myself i really don't know <laughs> thank you love thank you i have one last question yes which is um i mean you're obviously passing all that wisdom and your your what you've learned and just shared um onto your child if there are some specific things that you would like for your child to know about beauty about their relationship I would really like to honor my child's health and well-being, her natural currents, and point her in the right direction from the beginning and be very mindful of what I say about myself, my own body, admit to my own, admit to my child when I don't know something and I'm also learning, which I think will also be very helpful to her. And I'm really grateful that I do have, you know, got my feet on the ground, a good head on my shoulders to offer very loving, spacious, compassionate guidance to a child. Yes, to that. <laughs> and I'll make mistakes. <laughs> and I'm open. Yeah. Oh, thank you, mm -hmm. love. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. If you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have a chance, please rate and review if you're listening via Apple Podcast, as it really helps more people discover the show to listen to these incredible conversations. 
This podcast is brought to you from Bali and made possible by my ethical jewelry company, Ananda Soul. You can check out our website and all of our ethically handmade jewelry at anandasoul.com. You'll also receive a $15 gift card on your first purchase when you subscribe to our newsletter, so make sure not to miss out on that as well. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to sharing more of Sensitive Matters with you.